So summer in the Psalms. Every single week we've came and we've gathered and heard from one of our pastors take a section or a chapter in the book of Psalms. We've got to dive into that together as brothers and sisters. And we're going to do that again this morning. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Psalms chapter 27. Psalm chapter 27, verses 1 through 6. And while you're turning there, I want to tell you about one of my new favorite TV shows. One of my new favorite TV shows for Abigail and I, we have been watching it every single night for a few weeks now, and it's called Alone. You can see it on Netflix. They have a season there. I highly recommend it. It is awesome, especially if you're an outdoorsman. It's great. Here's what they do. They take the 10 survivalists, I mean survival experts, 10 men and women that are incredible, hardcore into survival. I'm saying these people know which berries to eat and which ones will kill you. These ones know which leaves and branches to make a a fort and and, and so many different clothing and crazy stuff and which ones will give you rashes. I mean, they are the best of the best of the best. They take these 10 men and women, they give them a a satellite phone and they drop them off in in various locations where they are all alone, (laughs) no one around. And they say, survive. Good luck. And they go weeks and weeks and weeks. They go months surviving. And the very last one, whoever is left at the very end, gets half a million dollars. And it is incredible to see all these people going and and hunting and building these shelters. It's, It's amazing. I've learned a few things while watching this show. I'm not saying I could go and survive for a few months, but I've learned a few things. One of the first things that I learned, which is incredible, is that the hardest thing they go through is not building a shelter. It's not finding food or finding water. The hardest thing is being alone. There's no one around, no camera crew. They give them a camera, there's no one around. It's the hardest part. Also learned this, is that you can go weeks without food. You go weeks without food. You can go days without water. We know this, that we can hold our breath and we go seconds without air. Even though you can go weeks without food, days without water, and seconds without, there is one thing that you cannot live without. We cannot make it without, and that's hope. We can't live this life, we can't go through this journey without hope. And that's what I wanna talk about this morning is hope. And I'm not talking about this world and how they define hope. The dictionary, this world defines hope as this, a feeling or desire of a certain thing to happen. That's not what we're talking about this morning. We're not talking about, man, I hope this happens. I I wish maybe it'd be great. No, scripture defines hope very differently. Scripture defines hope as this. The Bible teaches us that hope, listen, is a settled confidence that God keeps his promises a settled confidence that God keeps his promises. We live in a culture of self-motivation. Just be optimistic, self-talk, visualization. Our culture says so much. And I'm not talking this morning about optimism. Optimism is, is psychological. I'm talking about hope. Hope is theological. Optimism is a personal trust in yourself. Hope is a personal trust in God. Optimism says you can do it. Hope says only God can do it. We see this about hope in Jeremiah chapter seven, verse seven. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. God says, blessed is the man 
Blessed is the man who puts his hope, who puts his trust in the Lord. So hope, where does hope come from? Maybe you came in this morning, maybe you drove in the parking lot, maybe you're watching online right now, and you came in and you're watching and you're hopeless. Maybe you're hopeless because of a diagnosis you got. Maybe you're hopeless because on the table at home there's divorce papers. Maybe you're hopeless because of work. Maybe you're hopeless because you have to go on vacation next week with the (laughs) in-laws. I don't know what vacation or what it is for you, but maybe you came this morning and you're hopeless. I pray that in today's text we can read and we can find hope. We can see where hope comes from. Psalms chapter 27, verses one through six. If you'd stand for the reading of God's word this morning, verses one through six, it says this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arrays against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the days of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted above all of my enemies around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices, listen, with shouts of joy. We just sang about it. And I will sing and make melody to the Lord. You may be seated. May God bless the reading of his word. Three truths, three keys that I want us to grasp this morning, that I want us to to really get in which we can find hope. The first thing this morning, the first key this morning is our confidence in the Lord provides hope. Our confidence in the Lord provides hope. Verses one through three of this Psalms 27 says this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, and I will yet be confident. Did you notice there in verse number one? Let's put it back on the screen. Look at all of the my. Look at at the my here. If you look again, the Lord is my light and and he is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is in the stronghold of my life. King David is writing this. David who who slayed Goliath, who, who threw that rock and knocked him down. David who became king. David who is a legend in the scripture. It says, man after God's own heart. This David, we see here his personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You see the mize there. He's not just, God is not this far off creator being. He is personal with David. I love that. Let's focus on what David says. He says, he is my light, my salvation, and my strength. He's my light. He is my salvation. He is my strength. Real quick, I want to go over those three things. First, he says, he is my light. 
God delivers his people from darkness and guides his steps. God used light. God is light and delivers people from darkness and guides our steps. Scripture backs this up in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. David says, he is my light. David then goes on and says, he is my salvation. God delivers his people from death and gives life. We just heard the incredible stories of this team as they're in Africa and all that God is doing. We just saw it here with baptisms where those that were once dead are now given life. They are now found, once lost are now found. It's beautiful. All that God is doing in our church and around this world. Man, they go to a prison and they're seeing those come to know Jesus Christ. They're sharing the three circles and intimate relationships and conversations and seeing those come to know Christ. My dad, our pastor, stood before thousands, saw hundreds come to know Jesus Christ. David says, he's my light. David said, he's my salvation. Church, he's our salvation. Only through him, only by him in which we can find life. John chapter five, verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He has not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. David says, he's my light. He's my salvation. And David said, he is my strength. God delivers his people from defeat. God delivers his people from defeat. First Corinthians chapter 15 in verse 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Confidence. The confidence we read here as David is writing this, the confidence he has, again, not in himself, but in the Lord. Our confidence, is in, the, our confidence in the Lord provides hope. I think if we find our confidence in Jesus Christ, Listen to me, look up this morning. If we have our confidence in the Lord, that should change everything. It changes the way we work, the, change we, the way we parent, the change we live our lives, the way we carry ourselves. I was thinking about this, and I have a son named Maverick. He's two and a half years old, two years old, and you hear stories about him all the time. Anytime I'm up here, I'm going to tell a story about Maverick. <laughs> you hear from pastor all the time, social media. You know Maverick. We're family. And I'm just figuring out this parent thing, so I need you to pray for me and help me. <laughs> but I pray as Maverick grows and gets older, I pray that I can model for him that my confidence is in Jesus Christ. My, my confidence is not in my work. My confidence is not in my wife or how bad my golf game is. <laughs> I want Maverick to grow and know that his confidence is in the Lord, that his mom and his dad are gonna be his biggest cheerleaders, that we're gonna be at the games, we're gonna encourage him, we're gonna be there, but his confidence is not in how great, I pray that he doesn't find his confidence how, how high his GPA is, or how great his batting average is, how cute he is. 
May his confidence always be in the Lord Jesus Christ. May it not be in what I think or what his mom thinks or what his coach thinks or what his teacher says. May his confidence always be in Jesus Christ. And if that is true, guess what? He will find hope. I think we, we read this. We read about confidence. We read about David and the relationship he has with the Lord, how personal it is and how great. And we, we hear that and we're like, that's, that's really good. But that was a long time ago. Like that was, that was thousands of years ago. David was a king and lived in a palace. I have, to, I have to pay for a mortgage. Like there's different things I have to deal with that are very, very different. Like David had multiple kids, 19, and, but he had tons of servants to help out with those kids. It's just me and my wife, and we're barely trying to make it with the two that we have. Like, I think sometimes we think the God of yesterday is not the God of today. And scripture says something completely different. Scripture says this in Malachi chapter three and verse six, it says this, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. He does not change. Again, Hebrews chapter 13, verse number eight. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He does not change. The same God as David is the same God as us today. We can have that same confidence that David writes, that David tells us about. We can have this today. God will never change. Our confidence in the Lord provides hope. Secondly, our commitment to the Lord provides hope. Our commitment to the Lord provides hope. Psalms chapter 27 and verse four, and gonna continue in our text, it says this, one thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I really love this. This is one of my favorite parts as I've been studying and preparing for this this morning is that David, like legendary David, again, slay Goliath, man of her goes in heart. Yeah, he made some mistakes big time. But, but David, he tells us here, his one goal. We see here, we see David's life verse, his mantra, the one thing, David's one thing that he wants, he tells us here in verse number four. Look at it, it's your underline. My one thing, I've asked the Lord, the one thing David wants of anything else, here's the one thing, here's David's life purpose, life mission, life verse, that I will seek, listen, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all my days to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David's one thing that he wants, listen to this online, to be with God. David's one thing, God, of anything, here's the one thing I want, to be with you. To be with you, to be with the, in the temple, to be with brothers and sisters in Christ, to have a personal, intimate relationship with him. That's his one thing. I love that. Every single year, I get asked, our middle schoolers here at the academy are given a project in, in Bible class. And they're told to go and to interview a pastor. Go and, go and ask him some questions. 
And so every single year, this time of year, I get bombarded with middle schoolers because I have to answer these five, six questions. Most of them are like super last minute. Hey, answer these questions because I got to turn this in tomorrow. I'm like, all right, that was me. I'll answer them. And so whatever it is, I I always remember one of the last questions they ask. Every single year, these same questions. Here's what it is. Is they say, Chris, Pastor Chris, what, what's the hardest part of your job? What's the hardest part that you do? And I always kind of just sit there for a minute. I'm like, all right, how honest do I get? <laughs> because you stink. <laughs> the hardest part of my job, I think is this. I think it's getting families, moms, dads, students to commit to fully go all in, to understand what David is writing here is that the number one thing, the most important, listen, the most important possible thing is your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not your academics, it's not your GPA, it's not your batting average, it's not anything like that. The number one thing is your relationship with Jesus Christ. And I think moms, dads, I think, I think we mess this up because I think we lead and we teach the opposite. When students look at mom, when students look at dad, what they see that their number one priority is work. That I, as a dad, I want to work as hard as I possibly can. I'm going to do extra hours. I'm going to work, 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 make as much money so that, so that they can have the life I didn't have so that they can play the travel ball, so that we can go on the vacation. Listen, I'm going to work hard. Listen, good things, good, good things work hard. But here's what they see. They see that and they emulate it so that their number one priority is going to have the highest GPA they can possibly have. They're going to stress themselves out there. They can't eat because they have to have the perfect ACT score. They have to have the perfect batting average. So they see what number one is into you. So they emulate it. And number one to you is not your commitment and relationship with Jesus Christ. So it's not going to be theirs. And it may work for a season, but it will affect families. It will affect generations. May we emulate, when we lead and teach that the number one most important thing is to be with God, to be with his people. And we often fail at this. So here's what happens. Yes, she may have made Azalea Trail, but her confidence and identity comes from what people think of her and how she looks. Yes, he may have made the baseball scholarship, but he lives off your faith and your relationship with Jesus, and he doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes, hey, they made a 31 on the ACT, but they don't know Jesus. We must lead and emulate and teach. The most important thing is the relationship with Jesus Christ. We do what Paul, what David teaches here. When David says, I just want to be with Jesus. I just want to be with Jesus. Psalms chapter 37, verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him, trust him, and he will act. I think that's sometimes a a risky thing. Like, all right, I get it. Commitment is a scary thing. But if I go all in on this Jesus thing, will it be worth it? Absolutely. 
Commit your ways to the Lord. Listen, and he will act. It will work out. If we commit, he will act. So we see that we need to commit to the Lord. We see that our confidence is to be found in the Lord. Those, listen, will provide hope. But the third and last thing that David reads and teaches here is that our comfort in the Lord provides hope. Our comfort in the Lord provides hope. Psalms chapter 27, verse five and six, last two verses. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon the rock. And now my head shall be lifted above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. There are two things that we want. To the senior adult in this room that is a manly man, man. To the third grader that is watching online right now with mom and dad. Every single one of us, here are two things that we want. We all want to be loved, and we all want to feel like we're safe. We all want to be loved, and we all want to feel like we're safe. Those are things we can't provide ourselves. Those things we may try, we may muster up with all that we can, but those things truly can only be found in Jesus Christ. Those two things can only be found in him. So look at how David writes this. Let's look at verse number five one more time. For he will hide me in his shelter. He will conceal me under the cover of sin. He will lift me high upon the rock. This is him. This is God. Only he can provide. Only he can fulfill. Only he can find true hope. So this morning, you want to know comfort? You want to have comfort? You want to know comfort? Know Christ. You want to have comfort? Have a relationship with Jesus Christ. David, because of his faith, he was confident. He was committed and he was comforted. He had hope. So because he was confident, because he was committed, because he was comforted, what did he do? David, in this moment, writes these first five verses as we see and we dissected together. What is his response? David writes of how great God is and his relationship with him and how thankful he is. What next? Verse six, we just sang. Verse six is how David then responds. Verse number six. And now my head shall be lifted up above all of my enemies around me. Listen to this. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with, sh with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. His response, thankfulness. His response, shouts of joy, of thanksgiving. I came up here this morning preaching and teaching and preparing, and I'm a little bit sleepy because I just had two back-to-back -back weeks of camp. And it was fun, it was great. So two weeks ago, I had bro trip. We took about 50 teenager guys, and they got to go, we go to Camp Baldwin and, and study the Word of God together, and we had an incredible time. That last few days, man, what we got to witness was these men, these, these young men got to, came and went 
all the way up to the stage, like ditched the seats, came up to the stage, and with their arms lifted high, sang as loud as they possibly can praises to the king. Now, they didn't sound very pretty, but they sang as loud as they could, praising, worshiping, shouts of joy. Just earlier this week, we had a camp for just girls, and so over 60 girls got to gather and ladies and Here's what they did like the last day. They stood on top of their chairs and were yelling, shouting, shouts of joy, praises to the king. Thankfulness. And I get there's moments that there's camp high and everything, but truthfully, we're leaders in the back. You can ask Allie White with Girls Week Out. You can ask so many of our guy leaders. We're almost in the back, like trying to like hide some tears and stuff because they got it. They, they, they got it. Shouts of joy, of thankfulness. They're, they were committed. They were committed. Their confidence was found in Jesus Christ. They had a comfort in him. So they worshiped. They praised him. This is the thing about worship. Worship reminds us that there is a throne and we're not on it. Worship reminds us that there is a throne and we aren't on it. On it, So we worship the one, the only one who can save. He is my light. He is my salvation. He is my strength. If you close your Bibles, look up here. Growing up, every, every year during spring break, my dad would take me and my, my brother, we would go and hike a portion of the Appalachian Trail. Almost every single year during spring break, this is, is what we did. And so I remember this one specific time. Dad always tells stories about us. So it's my time to tell, tell a story about him. All right, you ready? <laughs> so we were ready for this spring break trip. And, uh, and so we get the map out. We're getting ready to leave. And we map out this section that we're going to hike. And we're ready. We're packing our bags, tons of trail mix, tons of these like nasty overnight food that we have to boil with water and eat. It's just gross, but it's man time, right? So we're, we're packed. We picked out the spe- specific spots that we're going to camp out each night. We're excited. So we drive up and we begin our, our trek, the Appalachian Trail. And so we've camped probably about two nights, I believe. And, uh, and so we're prepared. We knew it was going to be cold, but we didn't know it was going to be this cold. Like it starts snowing and we weren't ready for this. So we've already spent a few days and we're hiking and we have, dad has in his mind, this perfect spot that we have to get to. Like it's on top of the mountain. It overlooks everything. We have to get to this spot. So we're freezing cold. Like, and I can handle some cold, but the moment my feet get cold is like, it's game over. Bring in the helicopter. I'm going home. I can't do this. (laughs) So we make it. My feet are cold. I'm tired. We've hiked miles and miles. I'm out of trail mix and we're making it slowly, slowly. And we're like, Connor and I, my brother, we're like, what in the world? Like, this is so far away. I I really don't know if we can make this. Dad is out of his mind. This place can't be that great. What are we doing? This is the last year we do this. I'm never doing this again. And so we're hiking and we're like, we can't do this anymore. And dad's like, hey, it's just around this corner. It's just around this corner. Well, guess what? We get to the corner 
I meant this corner, just, just around this corner. He said it's just around this corner, at least about 30 corners. <laughs> just around this corner. No, it's not, Dad. <laughs> and we made it, we made it, made it. But guess what? Each time, it gave me a little bit of hope. And we made it to the corner. <laughs> made it to the next corner. And eventually made it to this campsite. And man, it overlooked this beautiful, it was beautiful. The sun was setting. I had my toes by the fire warming them up. Dad had extra trail mix in his bag, and I got to eat some trail mix. Picked out the raisins, Ronnie Mac. It was good. (laughs) Just around the corner, we made it. This morning, I want you to hear this. Maybe you came in hopeless. Maybe you came in this morning. You're watching online right now, and it's hard. Life is hard. May our confidence be in him. May our confidence be found in him. May we be committed to him. May we teach that for our kids. May we teach that. May we be committed. The number one thing is our relationship with Jesus Christ. And may we find comfort in him. And in that, we will find hope. Church family, online, hey, you can make it. It's just around the corner. It's just around the corner. You close your eyes and bow your head with me this morning. Maybe, as I've said, you, in this moment, you, found, you feel hopeless. You're struggling. And I want to tell you this. In love, you will continue to feel this way until you give him your life. You can only find hope. You can only find rest online. You can only find comfort in him. So this morning, after I pray, will you commit your life to him? Will you give him your life? Give him everything and find hope. So online, here's what you can do. Reach out and let us know. Text found. Text the word found to 251-225-3150. Text me so that we can talk, so that you can find hope, so you can have a relationship with Jesus. For those in here, After I pray, may we come and we confess, surrender to him. Maybe you're a follower of Christ and you know that and you have hope, but maybe you haven't thanked him in a while. May we shout joy. May we worship our king. May we do business with him in these moments. Lord, I'm thankful for this time. Lord, I'm thankful for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I'm thankful for this family. Lord, I pray that in these next few moments that that we do what you're asking us to do. Lord, I believe that you're moving in our hearts, you're moving in our lives, whether in this room or we're online. Lord, I pray that in these moments we're obedient. Whatever that is, maybe it's singing shouts of joy, maybe it's texting found, maybe it's finding a pastor. Maybe it's coming and laying at this altar and casting our cares and burdens to you. But Lord, in this moment, may we be obedient. Church family, may we be obedient. Lord, we love you and we're thankful for you. In Jesus' name.